0: Page 8. The Future and Robots by Charlie Applebaum Fueled by rapid developments in technological innovation hyped in recent years, although mostly developed over the last two decades, many cerebral types suggest we may be at the start of some significant changes in capitalist production. They even gave it a grandiose name, the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Socialists, Marxists, progressives have a history of taking technology and advocating its use for more than just the most efficient exploitation. Perhaps, however, the pace of innovation is making this harder. The techie elite, a traditionally well-meaning liberal bunch, and the revolutionary socialist crowd tend not to have massive overlap. I would argue that both could probably learn a thing or two from each other. Current and near-term software and hardware have properties which many outside of the tech space struggle with, and we, as conscientious socialists, need to understand them to advocate their role in a fairer society. I will outline some key innovations, open-source software, roughly. This is software that the users have the freedom to run, copy, distribute, study, change and improve. Thus... Quote, free software, end quote, is a matter of liberty, not price. To understand the concept, you should think of, quote, free, end quote, as in, quote, free speech, end quote, not as in, quote, free beer, end quote. The logics and algorithms that control our lives should not be a black box owned and run in secret by wealthy corporations. There is some evidence that this situation is improving. One recent industry survey concluded quote, open source is the foundation now for nearly all applications. Open source development has gone from the exception to the rule, end quote. Millions of dollars of software is now available for free on the internet, but we must recognise most of the means of production are still run with non-free software. OSS is also interesting in an economic sense in that as a digital goods... It has the unusual property of zero cost for duplication. And just look at the history of Napster to see how capitalism struggles with these emerging types of commodities. While OSS growth is good, socialists should be advocating for much more, starting with urging government to open source all of its work. Most socialists are familiar with the idea of a worker's cooperative or public ownership, but fail to see how non-free software continues to be used for exploitation and profit. If it really is going to be a widespread replacement of people by machines in workplaces, then exploitation and inequality will increase more if we do not get control of the software that will be controlling our lives. Quote the cloud, end quote. To understand the cloud, you need to understand what came before it. Previously, when an organisation built a new IT venture, it took two weeks to get it running. Someone would have to select hardware, wait for delivery, assemble and configure it before a developer could run a new application on it. Then they would set up monitoring, backups, redundancy and add batteries and generators to keep it running during outages. Contrast that now with one new cloud service, Zeit. Once installed, in a few minutes, you can type, quote, now, end quote, at a command line, and everything, servers, DNS, databases, backups, storage, are all provisioned and published on the internet in 5 to 10 seconds. Widespread automation in IT and published on the... Um, widespread automation in IT jobs... The low-hanging fruit for automation has already happened. Compute, the ability to run some arbitrary software of your choice, is now available to society with about as much friction as getting water out of a tap. Whilst most people cannot do their own plumbing, the end product of running water is ubiquitous and low-cost, and Compute is no different. The bedrock of modern automation is cloud-based servers the cheapest of which is around $4 a month, AWS. Capitalism has driven costs down to the point where it could be free at the point of delivery, if society wished it, at least in those countries where reliable power and connectivity. However, we must be cautious Take market leader Amazon. Its business model is no longer to become the most successful online retailer. This was achieved years ago. Consider the rate they are investing in logistics, physical stores, and even media. They they recently purchased Whole Foods in the US, in part for their massive number of high street stores and large logistics network. Amazon wants to be the very fabric and infrastructure of capitalism underpinning every purchase, payment, fulfilment and delivery. Taking a slice at every point, with little democratic oversight and, of course, terrible labour conditions. Modern capitalism has granted us the tools to run all software, all computing, upon this amazing infrastructure for almost nothing. What would socialists do with this digital infrastructure? What might capitalism do next? You only have to look at the drone-like picking staff in Amazon's warehouses to feel a chill, where routes, pick rates and break times are commanded by digital supervisors running on cheap cloud platforms and hard-to-automate tasks like shelf-picking are done by low paid workers. It turns out that managers are far easier to automate than workers, and tasks like picking are still among the most challenging. The first robot, named Unimate, was made in 1954 to move hot car parts for GM. Now reflect on the recent deluge of robot sci-fi, Westworld, Ex Machina, Her, Black Mirror. In this vision of the near future, autonomous human-like robots will be stronger than us, smarter, bordering on self-awareness, and mainly used as human-shaped sex toys. Sadly, The reality of lifelike robot companions is a long way off. The most advanced human-like general-purpose robots are basically rubbish, and about as sexy as a Dalek. After 60 years of slower-than-expected progress in robots, recently acceleration can be observed, often funded by military research. However, most of the developments are less to do with the machinery itself, the actuators and motors, and more to do with developments in control software. The technology needed for impressive automation has been advanced for many years. Just think of car production lines. However, in the production lines of the most profitable company on earth, it still takes over 300 pairs of hands to make one iPad. Until very recently, we lacked the capability to operate the robots with sufficient sophistication without human control. But developments in AI software have started to change this. For example, take the exciting subject of sorting of mixed recyclables. Once done by armies of humans leaning over conveyor belts, now image recognition cameras and high-pressure air hoses can sort recyclables with greater efficiency. Sort quality improves as hard-to-classify objects are done by human operators and the machinery learns over time. These developments suggest impressive but boring single-purpose robots moving out of the factories and further into our lives. Unlike the flat-screen TV, expect the cost to be extortionate at first and plummet as economies of scale kick in. There also seems a tendency of underestimating the old or mundane and exaggerating the impact of the shiny and new. Take the washing machine, utterly boring and yet probably the most empowering labour-saving robot humanity has created so far. For every article you read of dystopian robotic futures and widespread unemployment, remember the washing machine. Expect automation in the next 20 years to look more like a washing machine than a sexy robotic butler. Driverless cars are probably the next big, significantly disruptive robot. There is one major thing holding back the armies of robotic workers, the nagging red flash of the charge me indicator. Until very recently, batteries have not had dramatic increases in energy density in decades. Modern lithium-ion batteries were invented in the 70s, commercialised in the 90s, and had little major investment until recently. Smartphones, electric cars like Tesla and, quote, green energy, end quote, markets have incentivized corporate R&D and gained greater state-sponsored research. Papers published in 2016 suggest a 10 times improvement in energy density is possible. When this becomes mass market, it opens the door for many more types of automation. Battery technology has historically shown slow improvements compared to processing power. But by the time your iPhone can last one full week, maybe you will start to find your job will not. Much like cheese and Brexit, AI comes in two flavours, hard and soft. Hard AI, or Artificial General Intelligence, is the ability to apply knowledge to solve unseen problems. To be able to fully translate a book, you need to fully understand the reasoning of its author. While tools like Google Translate are improving quickly, We are a long way from this type of automation being perfect. In 40 years' time, however, many experts think hard AI will start overtaking humans in most general tasks. Soft AI, or artificial-specific intelligence, is far more immediately relevant. It is based on statistical learning on large sets of training data to solve complex problems in narrow, well-defined fields. Think Netflix's video recommendation engine. So far, soft AI has rarely replaced human workers, instead tackling problems at a scale where human labour is not economically viable. If it took you an optimistic 10 seconds to review the viewing habits of a Netflix user and recommend them a new show, it would take you 70 years of 9 to 5 work to complete the full task just once. In fact, in this example we have actually created new jobs, as someone needs to build and maintain the recommendation engine rather than the AI replacing human labour. Here are some examples of soft AI. Google DeepMind can already learn and complete the computer games from your childhood with zero human input, as good or better than you in... No human intervention required. News being written by machines. Speech and image recognition took massive leaps in the last year. Subtitles and categorization are almost solved. Drones. While the machinery is not new, the brains are. Combined with the ubiquitous, fast, reliable network and better batteries and the potential for automations are interesting. Self-driving cars, they are already here. Whilst profit is the principal motivation for decision-making, a machine is usually chosen to replace a human when the cost savings far outweigh the typical drop in quality. Beyond pro chess, it is actually pretty hard to find real-world examples where current-generation AI is actually better than humans and already capable of replacing workers. Two interesting cases that have been studied and proven to be significantly better done by a machine are the role of a pharmacist in handing out medicine and spotting complications, but who stocks the machine? And that of a lip reader where machines already outperform humans on average error rates. Impressive stuff, no doubt, but not quite the doorstep of mass unemployment that many fourth industrial revolutionists prophesize. More commonplace are examples of technology increasing efficiency of a worker when automation is employed as assistive tooling for existing human labour. Soon, doctors will be being advised by digital assistants, reviewing case notes and analysing patient biometrics for them. This is far less likely to lead to sudden mass employment but does present an issue for workers who are less tech literate as job roles change faster than skills and employers have little motivation to retrain adults under capitalism. Trade unions have so far addressed these sorts of issues on a very low level, if at all. We should expect this problem to increase, and so the job of training workers by unions needs to be prioritised. Jobs that can be boiled down to repetitive tasks that can be scored and quantified are most at risk, And these tend to be medium skill and middle management type responsibilities, accountancy or paralegals. But significant change is likely to take a decade or more. When we look at the role of technological change from history, it is sensible to expect unpleasant disruption for the affected workers, even if society generally fares better. Ultimately, in many jobs, as machine reliability becomes statistically better than the occasional ingenuity of human insight, we will see workers being replaced. Crystal ball gazing is not the job of serious socialists, but let us consider how we might use the spoils of capitalism where profit not the motivation. Say self-driving electric vehicles became widespread. If that was combined with an open-source software platform that was publicly run in the open and funded and monitored democratically, you could have an efficient public transport system resembling Uber that largely runs itself. Usage or payment could even be managed with digital currency until private transportation becomes a nostalgic pursuit and the public demands transportation as a basic right. We already have all the knowledge and hardware to make this happen so it's not as far-fetched as it seems. The machines are coming. There is at least some evidence to suggest the quote new jobs end quote created by the changes may not be enough for full employment under capitalism. Workers in transport, retail roles, cashiers, bookkeeping and supervisory work are all easy targets for automation. There are also concerns about the quote, hollowing out, end quote, of middle skilled, middle wage jobs and quote, a corresponding rise in employment at both the high and low ends of the skill spectrum, end quote. AI, limitless computation, and new battery tech suggests that workplace automation is going to increase. Whilst I disagree that the scale will be quote, unprecedented, end quote, not least because the transition costs are likely to be prohibitive and underestimated, there seems to be some merit that the speed of change will be faster than we have seen before. There are some obvious socialist answers here. Raising the minimum wage and reducing the working week would help. Bill Gates has suggested a robot tax, but history shows that solutions that will benefit everyone are unlikely to be achieved without significant political will from the majority of people. Socialists need to have more to say on current technological innovation. Even under a capitalist society, the potential for vast improvements in quality of life are huge, and as noisy progressives, it is our responsibility to understand them and persuade others of their importance. It is not sufficient to outsource the thinking on technology to the techie, liberal elite. These are the tools that socialists will use to liberate the majority of humans from drudgery. We must understand them. Hipster Reformism and the Technological Fix by Bruce Robinson, page 11. Back in 2013-14, to 14, there was a lot of excitement on the left about, quote, left accelerationism, end quote, and the prospect of a transition to a, quote, post-capitalism, end quote, Fueled by technological advances based on information. Aaron Bastani coined the meme of... ...fully automated luxury communism, end quote, FALC. And it led a fitful life on the internet. In 2019, it returned in the form of a book... ...which sets out to be a manifesto. Since 2015, Bastani has moved from a politics... ...rooted in, quote, post-workerist, end quote, thinkers to become a born-again supporter of Jeremy Corbyn. The book divides into two parts, the first containing the basis for an outlining of FALC as a future communist society near the, quote, end of history, end quote, and the second providing a political and economic platform rooted in the present, self-consciously populist and anti-globalist, in which FALC is, quote, a beginning, not a destination, end quote. The basic thesis underlying the book is that we are undergoing a quote third disruption, end quote. The first was agriculture, the second industry, and the third is based on information. Quote, the defining feature is ever greater abundance in information, end quote. As information goods have a cost that is ever as information goods have a cost that declines to almost zero as more are produced we live on the brink of, quote, extreme supply, end quote, a post-scarcity society delivered by courtesy of technological breakthroughs produced by capitalism. Labour is also no longer scarce. There are a number of economic objections to this and issues of viability, which I will skip over for lack of space. On this basis, Bastani, details a number of technologies that he claims will resolve contemporary crises. Energy scarcity will be overcome by harnessing solar energy on a massive scale. Raw material scarcity will be overcome by mining in space using asteroids. Problems of an ageing population are solved by gene editing to prevent genetically determined illnesses. The provision of sufficient food is ensured by the creation of synthetic protein that'll taste as good as meat, and by the completion of the Green Revolution of the 50s and 60s that introduced higher yielding crops and the use of chemical fertilisers to countries such as India. These measures combined will enable a slowing and eventual end to global warming. A lot of the book is taken up with advocating these technologies and demonstrating that they already exist, or are about to so that in places it reads like a publicity blurb for synthetic hamburgers or reusable rockets. This is the politics of the technological fix, where social and political problems are taken to have technological solutions. The technologies are assumed to function well and not to have detrimental social, economic and environmental side effects. The Green Revolution is disputed on all three grounds. If you look closely, Bastani has caveats. Not quite there yet, but success is just coming. Those are not allowed to tarnish the overall confidence that the technology developed under capitalism will lead to FALC. This is based on the assertion that, quote, capitalism is incompatible with natural abundance, end Quote, quote facing such conditions, production for profit begins to malfunction, end quote. FALC is therefore the conclusion of the third disruption. Capitalism will be driven by its own dynamics to innovate, and thus hasten its own demise. This represents an extreme but not original reading of Marx, which takes his words on the development of the productive forces under capitalism, narrowly understood as technology, to imply its transcendence. Productive forces clash with the social relations of production, and capitalism cannot survive, in this case because it cannot deal with, quote, extreme supply, end quote, even though, as Bastani accepts, today's capitalism is finding ways to circumvent that by controlling and restricting supply through enforcing monopoly rights. In one of the many absences from the book, the human side of the social relations of production gets little attention whether in the workplace or society in general. Both the working class and class more generally are absent as agency and struggle. Class struggle also affects not merely the way in which technologies are developed and implemented under capital, but also the content of the technologies themselves. We need a means for the democratic assessment of technologies. Instead, here we have uncritical technophilia. His reading of Marx leads Bastani to conclude that the productive forces needed to support, quote, a post-scarcity, post-work, end quote, world, were in existence only from the late 60s. To attempt socialism before then was impossible, quote, you could conceive of it, but you could not create it. This was simply an inevitability of history, end quote. But it was well within the economic potential of the mid-20th century to provide sufficient housing, healthcare, food and education to create a viable socialism, even if not a post-scarcity utopia. It was quite possible to provide a number of the free services that Bastani advocates as tra- transitional measures to FALC. For Bastani, revolutionary socialists in the 20th century were simply before their time and their failure and inevitability. The Russian Revolution was, quote, an anti-liberal, was Kerensky really a liberal, coup. The consequence of that reasoning is to airbrush Stalinism as something inevitable and indistinguishable from the revolutionary years of the USSR. Quote, it's the Soviet Union's seven-decade survival was one of the great political achievements of the last century, end quote. His vision of communism is, quote, a society in which work is eliminated, scarcity replaced by abundance, and where labour and leisure blend into one another, end quote. He takes up Marx's notion of, quote, free individuality, end quote, as the essence of communism, but ignores its grounding in social labour, leaving out the need for collectivity and forms of social solidarity and democratic control that flow from the need to produce. The realm of necessity, the labour of the associated producers, is not abolished, however many robots there are, but rather diminishes relative to free time. With social labour deleted, Bastani's communism reduces to individualism. Freedom is, quote, self-authorship. Liberal ends are impossible without communist means, end quote. FALC is, quote, the politics of the self-help guru. Be precisely who you want to be embedded within a programme for political change, end quote. Looking at, quote, full automation, end quote, Bastani argues that despite the waged working class having grown massively to be the majority on the planet, we have reached, quote, peak labour, end quote, and that AI and automation will shrivel the amount of work that needs to be done. Such projections remain speculative. As Bastani concedes, not all jobs will disappear. He points to health, education, geriatric care and jobs requiring creativity and emotional connection. If social labour continues, then the need continues for decisions about how remaining work is divided up and how a division of labour is put in place that enables needed skills to be developed. Bastani never considers whether full automation is something desirable from the point of view of a socialism that puts humans and the environment first. Should we just assume there is no alternative to the technological path enabled by capitalism? For example, the machine learning techniques on which contemporary AI is based are inherently open to bias, false assumptions and false positives. Do we want to live in a machine-run society? Who decides on how technology develops and is implemented? Technocrats or workers? If the first part of the book might be considered an exercise in utopian thought, the second brings us back to earth with a crash. Purporting to set out the political and economic road from here to FALC, it aims to provide theoretical ballast for Corbynism. In doing so, it embraces various classical reformist aims and methods put in a modern context. The, quote, concrete politics, end quote, consists of, quote, a break with neoliberalism, a shift towards worker-owned production, a state financed transition to renewable energy and universal services." end quote. Bastani's, quote, communist means, end quote, are based on, quote, reforging the capitalist state, end quote, quote, demanding that the conscious Intentional planning at the heart of modern capitalism be repurposed to socially useful ends. End quote. The rest this rests on quote, the relocalization of economies, end quote. Quote social finance, end quote, and a range of free services that will put much of the economy under public ownership. Relocalization is based on the premise that also underlies Bastani's opposition to, quote, globalism, end quote, that, quote, locally we can start right away, end quote, and, quote, break with neoliberalism without needing national state power, end quote, via, quote, local protectionism, end quote, the Preston model. But for Bastani, the national state is the best environment for beginning FALC, This approach, like Brexit, is both regressive and utopian in trying to reverse capital's integration and development across local and national boundaries. Of course, useful action can be taken at national or even local levels, but to see the local as the source of spreading worker enterprises that will eventually bring us to FALC is an illusion. Even if central and local bankers favour worker-owned enterprises, as believes central bankers should become central planners, they still have to compete with much larger capitalist enterprises. The Preston model does not, quote, scale, end quote. As Rosa Luxemburg pointed out in her 1899 reply to Edward Bernstein's, quote, revisionism, end quote, of that era, Cooperatives can only survive if protected from the operation of capitalist competition, rather than being the means to implement new technologies, as Bastani argues. Small and local firms, even if worker-owned, are less likely to be able to afford and to be able to implement the new technology that he sees leading to FALC. Why are they able to deal with, quote, extreme supply end quote, if large capitalist enterprises can't? A big gap remains between the communist model, supposedly just around the corner, and Bastani's immediate program, which essentially gives a contemporary gloss to long established social democratic strategies for improving the capitalist state piecemeal. Having freed himself from any concept of class, Bastani unashamedly embraces populism. The people is not, end quote. Quote, a permanent and immutable entity, end quote, but has its roots in, quote, certain kinds of assembly, social trait or capacity, end quote. He recognises that there is nothing fundamental here to distinguish this from the populism of the right. It just depends who you think the people are and which traits you choose. The book doesn't give a clear answer on Bastani's criteria here, How are the quote people end quote mobilised? Here the Bastania 2010, who favoured the network organization of the internet, reappears. Quote, the party form makes increasingly little sense. The same is true of worker organizing, radical or reformist, which are sick, erroneously premised on the society of work enduring forever. But a few lines later, the Bastani of 2019 counters, quote, The role of the labour movement is to liberate the working class. We must build a workers' party against work, end quote. Bastani here makes increasingly little sense. This book is notable for a number of absences. There is no conception of working class self-activity either in bringing FALC about or in managing production under it. There is no conception of democratic control in the workplace, in governance, of technology, or in society more generally. There is no notion of struggle from below to transform economy or society. Those things are presumably out of date. Instead, the book combines a view of a future close, but in which technology enables us to forget the collective and focus on self, ...with an immediate platform for Corbynism, which repackages some traditional left social democratic policies and ideas about how it might come about. These ideas may become fashionable for a while in the same way as Bastani's original meme, but, however well-wrapped in the ultra-modernity of new technology, in a sort of hipster reformism, they do not offer a road to emancipation from capitalism...